0: Welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the New Books Network in Latin American Studies, a podcast in the New Books Network. I am Kenneth Sanchez, one of the hosts of the channel, and today I will be talking with Joe Feldman about his wonderful book, Memories Before the State, Post-War Peru and a Place of Memory, Tolerance and Social Inclusion, published in 2021 by Rogers University Press. Joseph Feldman is currently a postdoctoral fellow at the Martin Institute and the Idaho Society of Fellows at the University of Idaho. Between 2016 and 2020, he was an assistant professor in the School of Anthropology at the Pontificia Universidad Católica de Chile and an affiliated researcher at the Center for Intercultural and Indigenous Research. Thank you, Joe, for joining us here today.
0: Great. Thank you very much, Kenneth, for the invitation, and thanks to everyone who's Tuning
1: in. Great, let's start. The book examines the dynamics and tensions involved in the creation of the Memory Museum based in Lima called Lugar de la Memoria, an institution dedicated to memorizing the history of political violence that took place in Peru between 1980 and 2000. It's a very valuable book and an important contribution to Memory Museum and Peruvian studies and debates on those areas. Perhaps you can start by telling us a little bit about yourself and the path that led you to writing this book, which I believe is, is your first.
0: Great. Uh, yes. Thanks, Kenneth, for your your kind words. And yes, this is my first book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think when scholars talk about how they come to projects, uh, uh, it, it's always sort of this like retroactive mm-hmm. uh, narrating of sort of how you become <laughs> interested in, in things. But I guess my relationship with Peru, uh, I didn't really develop until graduate school. Um, um I had a, a, a you know an interest sort of on the one hand in in sort of questions of memory, human rights, um, and had some experience in my undergraduate days as uh, a, a, some involvement in human rights activism, and then uh, sort of on the other uh, side of things, I was um, you know interested in questions of tourism, heritage, representation, mm-hmm. you know globalization, and these sorts of issues. Um, and so I, you know, I had an interest in in Latin America. I was in, uh, um, uh, wanting to pursue, you know, the possibility of of doing research in, in Spanish. Um, uh, I started graduate school at the University of Florida. My advisor, Florence Bab, um, had the, uh, uh, you know, sort of a long trajectory as a mm-hmm. researcher in Peru, um, and and so uh, th- that sort of set me on the course. Um, that I'm on in some ways. I guess thinking back, and again, this is like sort of how memory mm-hmm. <laughs> works. I guess things flashing forward, um, but you know, a bit farther back, thinking about you know sort of points of contact with Peru, I had the opportunity to take a, a Latin American history course in undergrad, a sort of modern, like, you know, survey mm-hmm. course with um, uh, Carlos Aguirre, a, a noted Peruvian um, um, historian um and so that's where i first learned about you know the velasco era and um you know uh, had a, a brief unit on on shining path and political mm-hmm. violence so i had some awareness of that and then uh a, 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 and then again these are like you know I, i'm giving some some coherence to, to memories you know that it was really this kind of uneven irregular process but then you know in time after i had graduated i I had occasion, um, you know, I was still in Eugene, Oregon, where I uh, went to undergrad at the University of Oregon, and I saw Uyanapac, the the, mm-hmm. the the visiting, um, the visiting sort of mobile version of Uyanapac, which is the photo exhibit, the, the yeah. photo exhibit of the Peruvian Peruvian Reconciliation Commission, and I remember being just sort of fascinated by this, and then and then I think with uh, you know getting into my. Graduate uh, uh, studies at, at the University of Florida. Um, um, I was interested in the possibility, kind of open to the possibility of uh, of, of doing research, doing a PhD project, you know, uh, on Peru, um, uh, you know, sort of very early on, just sort of reading more and, and getting interested in, in the country mm-hmm. and initially kind of thinking that I might study a different topic, you know, related to sort of heritage tourism, uh, and so, sort of connecting up with those, um, sort of topical or thematic interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then it was kind of the spring of my, um, Uh, sort of the U.S. spring of of my first year of graduate school when this uh, controversy surrounding you know the institution now known as the loom really came to a head when uh, President Alan Garcia rejected um, a German donation Mm -hmm. to construct a site that would uh, or or a museum that would memorialize this history and so there was kind of this uh, you know which I talk about uh, uh, at some length in the book, sort of this this back and forth and, you know, ultimately accepted. But that was kind of playing out, um, you know, as I was preparing to go to Peru for the first time to do some preliminary research for my, my uh, or, or to do my, my MA research, mm-hmm. really. Uh, and the, then it was just a question of, uh, of going and having a positive experience, you know, both in, in Ayacucho and in Lima. And and then really, uh, you know, it's as much kind of social as intellectual and, and just sort of curiosity that that, that brings one back. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that, you know, hopefully that gives um, a brief overview of, of kind of how I came to the project as, as something that could kind of combine these dual interests that I, I, I had. Um, and also just just sort of being captivated by, by what was going on with the Loom Um uh, I, I suppose thinking about uh, you know I, I imagine we'll, we'll be able to talk more about it, about kind of the yeah. research itself. But my initial plan was was really um, uh, to do more of like an ethnography of the loom as like a living working institution, right? And so a lot of my research proposals like had that. But then then you know as things tend to go for, you know, especially people working, you know, who who might be in, in fields like cultural anthropology or sociology, you, you know, you, sometimes plans don't <laughs> yeah. really work out as we um, envision them. And so, um, and so a lot of my research became focused on, on, you know, more on kind of the process of creating this institution and, and some of the discussions and debates uh, surrounding it. So, so yeah, I could talk more about about the sort of later stages and, and sort of writing and so mm-hmm. on. But but as far as how I came to the project, and, and uh, again, that's that's sort of my best uh, uh, sort of piecing together of, of different um, uh, of some different threads that are hopefully. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting uh, actually. And well, going back to the book, I found it particularly uh, insightful. Not only the insight, obviously, and how liberal elites created and created the museum, but to read up upon the dynamics and tensions that were managed within the Loom Initiative, you know, the politics of memorialization, the politics of memory, which spoke not only to the complex nature of the conflict and the polarization of Peruvian society, but to global norms surrounding memorialization as well, you know, the role of Truth Commission and so many others. Perhaps to give a bit more of a background to our listeners, we can talk about. A bit more about memory in Peru, you know, its its role, its position, the position itself uh, quite prominently as well, uh, and the different memory narratives and contested memories.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think just kind of keeping in mind that there might be some listeners who aren't, you know, Peru exactly. specialists or, or perhaps. I know that sometimes the the new books podcasts get like sort of cross posted. So there might be like the odd anthropologist or Mm -hmm. something listening who doesn't specialize in Latin America. But, um, uh, briefly, if we're talking about memory, memorialization, you know, the history we're, um, uh, we're addressing in the context of a project like the loom, uh, is, uh, history of political violence that Peru experienced in the the eighties and nineties, um, and so this was a, an internal armed conflict that was initiated by a Maoist guerrilla organization, um, commonly known as Shining Path. Its full, you know, its full name was uh, the Communist Party of Peru, Shining Path, and uh, different. Um, um, mm-hmm. uh, and so um, Shining Path uh, initiated its armed struggle in 1980 in the Ayacucho town of Chuschi. Um, it uh, um, uh, is sort of notable at the level of Latin America for um, the sort of levels of violence, um, you know, whereas in, in many uh, sort of Latin American conflicts uh, taking place during this era, there was oftentimes this exaggeration of the guerrilla threat and, and, and sort of these dirty war tactics, um, you know use of torture, mm-hmm. disappearances. On various forms of state repression that that emerged, uh, sort of in uh, and was sort of uh, legitimized through through an exaggeration of of, of the insurgent threat. And uh, in the case of Shining Path, we we did see a um, a, a, a greater capacity to to inflict violence uh, um, and achieve a kind of geographic reach, um, that, uh, was certainly not trivial. Um, and so, uh, I, I should say that also that this, um, conflict involved a number of other actors, um, uh, uh, was centered on, um, uh, on, um, this conflict between Shining Path, a campaign to sort of overthrow the, the Peruvian state, um, and, and, and the armed forces response that beginning, um, in the early 1980s, uh, right, the, uh, the declaration of emergency zones, um, the Peruvian Highlands starting uh, in, in, in 1982, ceding um, territory uh, to the armed forces, the military, and so you had a, a, a very a brutal um, response. Um, uh, uh, by by the Peruvian state forces, you also had um, uh, later on uh, the establishment of, of the so-called rondas, uh, or, or the force that came to be known as the rondas campesinas, a sort of uh, peasant uh, peasant um, um, civil defense yeah. forces that emerged um, to combat uh, Shining Path. Um, uh, you also had other insurgent groups, um, uh, most uh, notably, aside from the Shiny Path, the MRTA, the Movimiento Revolucionario Tupac Amaru. Um, and so um, you had this uh, uh, conflict that, um, according to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, uh, resulted in um, uh, nearly 70,000 um, people. Deaths um, and and uh, uh, sort of uh, distinctive um, at the level of Latin America um, was uh, uh, the fact that uh, a large portion of those deaths were attributed to to mm-hmm. Shining Path. That's uh, proportionally, according to the Truth and Reconciliation, fifty four percent, and proportionally uh, far higher than what we see in other um, cases throughout the region during this time. Uh, um, Guatemala, El Salvador, um, and so on. Um, and so, um, g- getting to the question of memory, uh, uh, maybe start with um, the initial memory that emerges uh, in the wake of the capture of Shining Path's leader, um, who was a former philosophy professor and, and, and uh, at the regional university or, uh, in, in, in Ayacucho, yeah, sure, yeah. based in Womonga that at the, the epicenter of, uh, of, of the violence and where sort of shining path um, developed. And so um, uh, it was captured, you know, sort of uh, in Lima and in sort of a, a, a relatively, um, um, well, uh, uh, sort of a residential district of, uh, of Lima in 1992, um, and uh, what uh, uh, and sort of a memory that emerges most immediately um, in the wake of that capture and, and kind of continuing throughout the 90s was the government of Alberto Fujimori, um, who uh, whose government uh, uh, um, uh, who, who was um, elected in 1990 uh and and became increasingly authoritarian there was this um, uh, yeah and then later on the, the self coup in, in in 1992 and and sort of repression of uh, various kinds of um media and targeting human rights activists and so on um uh, and so you have the emergence of uh, of a kind of triumphant uh, narrative of, of, of Fujimori um, uh, and his supporters, sort of um, taking credit for the capture of, of Abimael Guzman and and the the sort of uh, and sort of decapitating the, the you know the, the, the terrorist beast as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that is, uh, if we're thinking about this sort of in the d- domain of memory, uh, you know, and, and levels of violence in a lot of the country, not everywhere, um, but in a lot of the country did um, decrease um, following that capture. Um, uh, and, um, and, and I should say that just as an aside, you know, uh, beginning in the, you know, a lot of my Book is, is is sort of based on research conducted to Lima. It really, um, you know, whereas this violence was initiated in the highlands, and a lot of the the, the uh, a, a, a lot of the the worst um, abuses kind of early mm-hmm. on um, were taking place in highland communities of both of Shining Path and 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 um, Peruvian uh, armed state actors, sort of police and the military, um, r- really by the late. Uh, sort of the second half of the 1980s, we see um, a, a, a Shining Path trying to uh, beginning to concentrate activities in Lima, um, and, and so that's that's part of this story as well. And and, and so the, getting back to the um, the uh, sort of the question of memory, you have what scholars have described as as um, you know, scholars like Steve Sutphen, Carlos Ivan de Gregori, um, uh, and later on the sort of Milton and, uh, and others kind of uh, d- describing and, and sort of critiquing as, as a kind of, um, so, you, you know, sort of salvation right, yeah. narrative of the conflict where, um, whereas sort of, you know, the threat was terrorism. Fujimori saved Peru from this great threat and, and an economic crisis and so on. Um, and, and again, another caveat is that, uh, you know, looking closely at the capture itself, there's ways that, uh, you know, uh, and the defeat of Shining Path, there's ways that a lot of that didn't have to do with Fujimori as such. He was, you know, fishing in the Amazon mm-hmm. when it took place and, uh, and, and and there were efforts on behalf of the police to kind of, you know, not inform, uh, you know, certain authorities of what they were doing. And so you have this, uh, yeah, this kind of taking credit for the capture and uh, 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 th- that happens, and you have uh, also the the reality that uh, you know in the, a lot of Highland communities, it was you know the rondas campesinas, the peasant civil forces uh, civil defense forces played uh, you know a very important role in that process, and so um, with that you have uh, uh, so sort of that narrative that gets established, um, and then. Um, we have at risk of kind of simplifying a complex process you have um you know the fall of the the fujimori regime that comes about um really uh i, I don't want to minimize uh, you know the role of human rights activists and, and sort of outrage over over um uh, human rights abuses, but it's really a, a corruption scandal mm-hmm. that uh that sort of massive corruption i mean fujimori is routinely. Uh, sort of on some of those lists, or at least was up to recently, of, of, of you know one of the yeah. most corrupt um, leaders and uh, state. So that's uh, you have a very dramatic case of of of, of the so-called um, uh, you know Bladi videos, <laughs> uh, uh, videos that get leaked showing bribes of all kinds involving Vladimir Montesinos, who is a kind of you know fixer of sorts for, for Fujimori and is kind of linked to, to the military and intelligence services. Um, and so you have this kind of opening that, that emerges. Uh, so with the transition government, you have a, uh, uh, what becomes a very important milestone in, um, in, in, in sort of Peruvian memory debates um, uh, which is the Peruvian Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which was active between 2001 and 2003, right? And so there you have um, uh, really a combination of a variety of things, you know, over 70, or, or, or approximately 17,000 uh, testimonies, mm-hmm. you have regional history. You have uh, cases being uh, investigated and recommended for for prosecution. You also have important interventions in in, in sort of more symbolic domains, right? So it, it, we'll will have occasion to talk a, a little bit more about Uyanapak, the photo exhibit I alluded to um, earlier, at least the traveling version uh, I saw in Eugene, um, and and so. Um, you have uh, uh, some important narrative shifts that take place, right? With the truth commission Mm -hmm. report, which again, is is undertaken in the context of a transition government, you know, uh, the the sort of Fujimori and and certain sectors of the military are are, are sort of um, um, greatly weakened um, at this time. And and so with the Truth Commission, you have, uh, I, I guess I could focus on, on two elements that um, are, are, are very relevant to the analysis that I put forward in the book. Uh, one of them is the emphasis on, uh, on kind of bringing state atrocities, you know, the actions of armed state actors um, and really making them much more prominent in, in in sort of how Peruvians think of and, and narrate uh, this period in the country's history, right? Um, and so, so uh, uh, sort of adding a, a, a bit more complexity, uh, or not just a bit more, uh, adding uh, you know much complexity mm-hmm. to a simple narrative of, of kind of defeat of shining path, and that was that, and these sort of demonized. You know, uh, um, you know, almost pathologized uh, uh, figures who are who are often were oftentimes sort of narrated as almost like foreign to Peru. And so, with the truth commission, you have uh, you know much more attention um, to, to to experience of of, of, of torture, of disappearances of, of displacement, um, and so on. Uh, and then another feature of the truth commission that I think is, is fundamentally important is, is attention to, uh, how it was histories of racism, of exclusion of various kinds, uh, uh sort of, uh, regionally and ethnically and so on within Peru that, um, uh, uh Really uh, structured not only kind of the origins and escalations of, of Shining Path as a movement, but also the the ways in which this violence became uh, unleashed on, on on communities and and individuals uh, in the course of the violence, and so that that greater attention to uh, questions of, of of kind of social inclusion, racism, mm-hmm. and, and, and linking that to a kind of national. Project, uh, right, uh, or sort of a call to um, to remember and to, to kind of think critically uh, 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 about you know this period and and, and its potential relation to to, to broader um, uh, broader histories of marginalization, mm-hmm. and so um, and just uh, I guess a, a final uh, or, a, or a different. Moment. Um, well, no, I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It's it's really part of the same moment and part of the same process because there were there was this kind of reactionary backlash to the Peruvian Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, and its final report uh, as this was going on. Mm-hmm. Right, so there was sort of this bad, you know, effort on behalf of a number of uh, sectors associated with uh, the right, uh, you know predominantly associated with the right. I mean, there are, there are also sort of left critiques uh, and sort of um, um, uh, uh, of the truth of reconciliation and its mm-hmm. final report and so on. Um, but primarily, you know, the most vocally um, sectors um, uh, associated with uh, various uh, right wing elements of the country uh, and, and, and the armed forces and so there's been, uh, uh, yeah, kind of a, a, a continued campaign, uh, uh, really, that, that that exists at present, and that's something that we can yeah. talk about as well to discredit uh, uh, accounts of the violence that 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 vary from um, from a, a sort of simplified uh, view of, of the great defeat of of Shining Path. Um, and so on. So I, I, I suppose we can. I mean, yeah, we'll probably have occasion. We'll probably have the opportunity to link it a bit more to recent developments because, mm-hmm. as mm. concerned, yeah, you know,
1: definitely, and
0: <laughs> yeah, and th-
1: thanks for that. Uh, background on what happened during the eighties, and now with the uh, different memories, narratives, and the obviously polarization amongst them, and so we can situate ourselves now more within the book. So there's uh, El Lugar de la Memoria, which was constructed in the 2010s. And you can tell us a bit more about, perhaps, about El Lugar de la Memoria, uh, how it came to be, what was its original project, its original idea. Perhaps you can tell us a bit more about the museum we have right now, you know, which is, as I mentioned earlier, dedicated to memorializing the history of that political violence you just described that took place in Peru between 1980
0: and 2000. Yes, thanks. Kenneth. Yeah, no, the, and so, yeah, to, to kind of contextualize the loom, and I'm, I'm using the loom just because it's a little bit easier than the full name, uh, and it is kind of anachronistic. Originally, this was the Museo mm-hmm. de la Memoria, and then it was the Lugar de la Memoria, and then, you know, and then um, it, was, it was extended to include um, tolerance, social mm-hmm. inclusion. Uh, and then, and then became you know, twenty fourteen became you know the popularly known as the loom. But um, so, so there was discussion. Um, uh, one of the recommendations of the. the uh, the Peruvian Tre- Truth and Reconciliation Commission, in its final report, placed emphasis on the creation of a site kind of like this, and and and, and emphasizing um, the uh, the importance of uh, symbolic reparations, which in uh, transitional justice has become a way of describing or a kind of a way of. of um, uh, 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 of of describing and and kind of thinking about uh, a particular kind of memorialization. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so, um, so, and there was talk, you know, I I think, you know, you can point to scholars who were speaking about the possibility of establishing um, a a museum of this kind, you know, even at the time of the the truth and reconciliation before, you know, I have just, you know, Tiny quote from like Victor Vich, uh, uh, um, uh, um, a, a well-known sort of Peruvian public mm-hmm. intellectual, um, literary critic, um, cultural studies scholar, of, of, of kind of calling for the, the, the need to uh, establish a site of this kind. You know, well before there was any real plans to do so, and so I uh, think. I mentioned the Pack exhibit. Um, that's a, 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 an important uh, forerunner to the loom in, in, in many ways. And that relationship is complex as I, uh, it becomes complex as I described mm-hmm. in the book. Um, and so um, really with the loom uh, itself and sort of the, the, the kind of origin story was um, related to interest um, um uh, you know, there is this German donation that emerges in part uh, as a result of Yuya APAC mm-hmm. and, and kind of initial plans to establish a site that could be a permanent home for Yuya APAC. So thinking back to, um, you know, the, the initial controversy in 2019, there was a way or in 2009 yeah. rather um, there was a way that uh, some of that controversy had to do not so much with the Peruvian opposition to uh, the creation of a museum of this kind that dealt with, you know, the violence in a general way. Uh, but, uh, and actually there's, you know, polls at the time showing, you know, really broad support um, yeah, uh, for uh, at least in theory of a museum of this kind. Uh, uh, but then rather quick, some of the debates became came to be about uh, uh, you know what uh, or, 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 or more about you, you know Uyanapac and and the way that this museum became linked to um, the, the Peruvian Truth and Reconciliation Commission <laughs> and some of the the opposition to that initiative um, uh, to that project and the, the narratives uh, or the account uh, of the violence that emerged. From that, and so you have um, um, you have um, uh, an initial period where the loom is um, is considered um, kind of a continuation, in some ways, of of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, can be, uh, but taking place under you know in a political context that's very different, right? I mean, this takes place context of the government of Alan Garcia, the second government of Alan Garcia, mm-hmm. um, 20, who was um, in power for a second term from 20, uh, 2006 to 2011. He was also um, president of Peru in the the, the, the late 19, or second half of the 1980s, mm-hmm. 85 to 90. And so has his own history uh, when it comes to the the political violence, uh, most notably, you know, 1986 prison massacres, but also other,
1: oh, um, example.
0: Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so, and so there's, um, there's kind of that political context is also the, uh, um, uh, the way that, that the military, uh, uh, uh whereas sort of weakened by some of the corruption scandals and, um, and all of that uh, is a bit more vocal, perhaps, and a bit more, uh, you know, sort of emboldened mm-hmm. um, sectors aligned with the military, and so it's it's a political context that's the, the, that's quite different from that, uh, perhaps that you know, liminal moment of of, of transition of um, uh, beforehand. And so the loom, uh, you know, kind of advances. You know, Alan Garcia eventually, you know, d- decides that it. A good idea to uh, you know, following uproar over his his initial decision to to reject the donation, uh, ends up um, you know saying okay, well we can move forward with this, uh, but uh, uh, but yeah, under certain kinds of. Uh, conditions and so on and, 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 you know, trying to put, you know, establishes a, a presidential commission, uh, you know, appointed by him. Um, Mario Vargas Llosa, noted Peruvian author, is head mm-hmm. of the commission. It was actually vocal, you know, sort of vocally opposed to the, and wrote a very influential op-ed piece um, critiquing, the, you know, the rejection of the funds. And so the project, uh, you know, moves forward and, and getting into the, um, the, y- y- you know some of, some of the details of that. You know, there's a lot of delays and discontinuity, mm-hmm. and, and and some of that I try to you know <laughs> document in the, the book. I mean, from a strictly like experiential standpoint, you know, and sort of the lead up to um, you know and the lead up to the, my main period when I was you know doing doing research on on the institution now known as the Loom in 2013 it was kind of objectively difficult to make sense of uh, of of like what was going on especially from afar during that initial <laughs> period um because that, you know, there were different um you know uh, there, there were really uh, a a diversity of perspectives uh, kind of within the project and 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 the whole question of political context made it, it made it quite um yeah maybe, maybe, made it kind of difficult to know what, how this would all play out. Um, And so I guess um, thinking through that, uh, I mean, I guess we can can start getting into maybe individual chapters, but, but so my research um, took place um, at at a kind of different moment, you know, after the site was established in Miraflores or, or, or sort of, you know, and the construction was moving forward uh and there was a change of government which you know as is often the case in in Peru means sort of a change of personnel um uh and you know with some continuities but uh, but as uh, I was conducting my main period of research it was uh, during the government of Ollanta Umala um, was um, in power from 2011 to 2016, and so uh, that's where you have um, sort of new leadership that um, uh, that um, uh, emerges at the loom, uh, you know, a sort of new um, high level commission that's appointed, headed by um, Diego Garcia Sayan, uh, and you have. Uh, you know the establishment of of certain guidelines and um, and and uh, sort of the uh, the makings of uh, of at least an outline of of, of an exhibition script uh, occurring at that time. So so yeah, a lot of what my main period of research was uh, was mm-hmm. focused on was was um, was uh, really trying to to track what was going on, um, not just sort of within the loom and speaking with individuals involved, but also trying to speak with, um, range of actors who were, you know, in some ways, in, in, kind of in, uh, involved in this initiative in some capacity as a kind of consulted mm-hmm. groups or sort of commentators. So, um, you know, representatives from human rights organizations, um, uh, Organizations of, of victim survivors, uh, sector, the sectors of, of uh, military, police. Um, and so a, a lot of my research was was focused on, on um, you know, in a very basic way, kind of getting people's perceptions, expectations, um, uh, critiques of, of this museum project as it was uh, being developed.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe we can uh, dive in more into the book specifically. Uh, well, the first chapter goes over some of the historical background on the Loom Initiative, but we have touched upon it. But if our listeners want to read about that a bit more, uh, the conflict improved, the transition, and how the Loom uh, Initiative started, you can look at the first chapter of Joe's book. We can start going on chapter by chapter now. I think we, we can go on with the second chapter, which is the first ethnographic one, which I think chapters two, three, four, and five is where it's the meat of the book here and you talk about in the second chapter about the transnational cultural production going over the experience of the museum director Fernando Carvalho which is uh well, he's from Lima and he's part of the liberal elite and as you mentioned he did not live in Peru during most of the violence perhaps you can talk us a bit more about your interviews with him and about this tension between the larger global norms of memorialization and the internal culture, perhaps historical factors of Peru. Yeah,
0: Yeah. thank you. Um, And so with the, yeah, something, I, I mean, I guess I haven't really like delved into like, you know, my argument and analysis and all of that, but I think that that's, you know, I think that that's sort of there in the introduction and, and it can maybe tack back to that. But a thread that I try to develop throughout the book is, you know, I, I look at some of the tensions that uh, emerge with this kind of Memorial museum mm-hmm. idea, right. And, and notions of uh, memorialization and, um, that uh, uh, sort of kind of human rights oriented forms of memorialization, um, and so really, um, uh, chapter two the focus is yeah I, I just kind of had this opportunity to to profile uh, you know Fernando, and it's it sort of bears mentioning that you know he was relatively well you know it's not like he was a complete unknown uh, um, the time of my research you know he had experience mm-hmm. as a journalist and the radio. And, you know was known and, and, and sort of one of these strange experiences where like um now he's you know it would it, be like you know i don't know an equivalent figure might be but it, you know like someone like wolf blitzer on <laughs> cnn or something you know in subsequent years he became much more you know well known and sort of a, a, yeah. a everyday media presence and so uh, but at the time uh, and in some ways like i, I just kind of have this like you know, I, I prefer to just have that relationship be more like based on our interviews and how we got to know each other in the context of the loom. I mean, I've kept up with him, um, you know, a little bit over the years. Um, but really with, with, um, with Fernando, there was the, the fact that, you know, as as a researcher arriving, he was just like, natural sort of contact in a way and, and sort of, and, and really the, the public face of the institution mm-hmm. at that time, really for half of, the, you know, half of my main period of research. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of what I look at, you know, I try to use him, you know, uh, try to develop him a bit as a character, um, you know, and to a lesser extent that continues on into the next chapter. Um, and, and just to kind of, you um, present him as, as yeah. As he, I, I mean, I think he used the term liberal elite to describe him and, and yeah, I think he's someone who identifies as kind of center left and maybe used to be a, a bit more of the left kind of identifying <laughs> with the seventies left and through and sort of comes back, you know, after a number of years living abroad. Right. And, and sort of, uh, eh, and, and I think that's something that I try to stress in, the chapter um you know both kind of explicitly but also just you know through the interview narratives is just the way that um you know there's that constant awareness and and sort of attention to global norms and mm-hmm. a, 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 and sort of sense that um you know that they don't fit in peru in some ways or they there are some ways that um they have to be modified and that's you know sort of a recurring feature in, in transitional justice but also i mean i wouldn't say that that's specific you know, i think in any you know in any kind of like project or institution there is um that that recurring tension and i think that what i try to illustrate is how that that could be you know a uh, a, a way that, you know, there's kind of a frustration that might emerge from mm-hmm. that um, of like, you know, having to contend with this political context where, you know, a large portion of the society is sort of closed off to uh, thinking about the violence other than something that's just like, you know, the years of terrorism or whatever. Um, uh, and also some of his, you know, some of uh, Fernando's like frustrations with, you know, uh, I mean, I, at the time of, of, you know, some sectors of the left or are, are sort of, uh, you know, intellectuals and so on that he finds frustrating. So I um, I think that, um, yeah, and a lot of that relationship was, um, it, you know, I met him when I was just kind of in Peru for more for like a preliminary visit mm-hmm. and, you know, still applying to grants. And, and, and you know, I... And I thought, wow, you know, this is kind of a, you know, compelling figure in many ways, um, you know, because he's also he was a national director of the project. Um, and so he wasn't, you know, sort of on the high level exactly. commission, one of these presidentially appointed people. Um, but he also, you know, uh, and so his job kind of combined a, a combination of like, you know, very conceptual concerns, but also like just things like making sure paperwork was filed correctly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and dealing with the construction. So kind of a point person that, you know, I think as you know, social scientists, ethnographers were always kind of like trying to, to look for, for people who, you know, will be, um, uh, be interesting to, to to work with and learn from. So, I um, yeah, I, I think I'm also sensitive to the critique. I had a you know a Peruvian colleague who who read, <laughs> read the manuscript and just said, "There's a lot about my own, my own here. <laughs> yeah. in here," and I'm sensitive to that as well. But because I, 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 if you look at like kind of in the history, and this is something of a self critique, but if you know if you look at the context of the history project um and and sort of looking at the final product and so on like it's debatable you know it's a lot of what ends up contributing to the you know the permanent exhibition and you know the later stages uh, isn't necessarily um you know can be like directly linked to that but but some of the the tensions and some of that that just sort of you know to simplify it is some of that like institutional culture uh and getting to know uh what it's like and the challenges, uh, one faces in the, this sort of institutional position. I think a lot of that is, is, is hopefully, um, you know, illustrated mm-hmm. nicely in, in that chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: definitely. I think as your colleague mentioned, there is a lot of Fernando Carvalho, but I think it's, is useful if not to talk about the loom, but to talk about memorialization in general, as you mentioned, right. Those, uh, and the dynamics uh, that yeah. he was involved in, I think I was, I think I was quite interesting from that aspect. And moving on to uh, the third chapter now, uh, in which you discuss uh, Yuya y- Banak, the controversy surrounding it, uh, the photo exhibit, as you mentioned before, from the Truth Commission. It was, I think it was very insightful how this firmly ratified the Loom as a, a post-Truth Commission project. And perhaps you can tell us a bit more about this and about the discussions that led to this decision and how yeah. many collaborators uh, regulated their feelings or dealt with their feelings on the Truth Commission and its role with and obviously, about Salomon Lerner's departure as well in this uh, chapter. Yeah.
0: yeah, very good. Um, uh, And so, the yeah, that chapter, it really is, it, it's like, I think a lot of us writing, you know, a thesis or a dissertation, it's like, th- there's oftentimes like that one chapter where you're just like, I, I you know, I got a write about this or this is something that's just like i'm itching to because it was just you know it, it was with a, a kind of controversy that took place before i had i had I had, uh, I had uh, you know arrived to do my main period of, of field research but it definitely you know was very present and mm-hmm. you know as i was conducting rich and, and some of those tensions you know to, to varying degrees you know can, can you know, can still be, um, or, or are still evident um, today. But um, in short, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, the original vision of the, the project now known as the loom was to house Yu mm-hmm. Um And then for a variety of reasons, um, you know, kind of related to the architectural competition and, and sort of a complex history and, and sort of accusations and a uh, 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 it ends up not being that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and the and the sort of um, a way that, uh, that, you know, in a very basic way, uh, as I note in the book, the, the the building ends up being not big enough to mm-hmm. house, you know, Yuyinapak in its entirety. And so then it becomes a question of, you know. Uh, and this is taking place during the Garcia government. You know, is it going to be like a partial unionapac, and that would be problematic. And so there is this uh, conflict and tension, and, and and that was still kind of playing out. Um, you know, over the course of twenty thirteen, and and you know, kind of seeing those tensions uh, play out in advance, and people I'd speak with, um, and so um, and so the loom uh, does come to. Uh, um, uh, does uh, you know ultimately arrive at a kind of position uh, that um, that um, that seeks to, 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 to sort of simultaneously acknowledge the value of the the Truth and Reconciliation mm-hmm. Commission uh, of Union and APAC, uh, and so on and uh, but at the same time um, pointing to um, uh pointing to the fact that 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 times have changed the political reality is different um you know in 2013 2014 and moving forward than, than it was in you know at the time of the the transition government um and so you have um, the way that, that Yuyin Apak and the TRC, that the, the ultimately the, the decision is made to to represent them more as historical milestones mm-hmm. and sort of encompassing that that history um, as sort of part of the you know part of the exhibition, but not the exhibition and kind of the notion that um, that um, that yeah, the ten years have passed and, and then sort mm-hmm. of in doing so. There's this that involves people too, right? I mean, and so I you know, described Solomon Lerner, the former president of, 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 of the pre Commission mm-hmm. and someone who's, you know, and again, like thinking about it, um, you know, it's in a very personal standpoint, you know, like reading, um, uh, you know, some of his speeches and so on, uh, you know, as I was becoming interested in this, talk, you know, someone who I continue to admire, you mm-hmm. uh, a great deal and hold it in such high regard. And, and there's a way that he and, and others kind of come to represent a, a kind of, you, you know, one person, you know, use the term like orthodox position when it comes to, um, you know, human rights and, and sort of this, and others saying who might be, you know, from a more progressive, you know, sort of human rights, uh, mm-hmm. sort of pro human rights position, or maybe politically of the left sort of saying that, um, you know, you uh, know, okay, like maybe we, you know, we need to kind of seed some ground and not just sort of hold up everything that had to do with the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, everything about and as if it was this kind of sacred um, text, which, which again, is sort of a mischaracterization. You know, if you look closely at a lot of sort of pro uh, or people who are involved in the Truth mm. Commission and so on, a lot of them don't necessarily have that narrative, but that kind of becomes the position mm. assigned yeah, to course. them. So... So, yeah, and that's, you know, and so that tension is kind of recurring throughout the project and it flares up at various times. And it was something that I, yeah, I, I found kind of interesting and challenged me personally as well, because, you know, certainly, um, you know, I mean, both in kind of a very basic humanistic way um, of just kind of like, you um, yeah. Thinking about people who were really kind of hurt by this. Yes. Um, and also just, you know, more intellectually, politically of seeing, you know, it, it really like my own thinking has, has really evolved on uh, or, you know, changed over the years when it comes to how I interpret, um, you know, that 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 sort of institutional move. And um, and so. So I think that. Um, yeah, and that becomes uh, 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 sort of that that post TRC identity that, that you referenced in the question. Yeah, I think that that um, becomes uh, very central to the looms um, uh, uh, to the loom as as an institution, um, and and you know has implications for how victimhood is represented, for mm-hmm. how you know how one engages or not with, with, um, the Peruvian armed forces. So I think that, um, yeah, the the, 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 that chapter really tries to, to get at, uh, you know, kind of the conflict, but also just sort of the aftermath and the, 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 the um, yeah, the, um, the enduring impact of that on, on the museum's institutional identity. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Going on that same note of the museum's identity, I think we can see more of that about this uh, post-Truth Commission identity. In the fourth chapter in which you look at the relation between the Loom initiative at that time and two important uh, publics or sectors, which are the victim survivors and the armed forces, this is the same with Yuyenapak. This marks a difference between uh, the Truth Commission, which was perhaps a bit more centered in was the causes, uh, the, the victim survivors. And it was very interesting to see the, the analysis of the exchanges between these two groups and the LUM initiative in this chapter. As you mentioned, it was a process characterized by a considerable anxiety and distrust. What more can you tell us about this?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to go back to remember what I, what I said <laughs> in that chapter exactly, but I, I think that um, really uh, a point that I try to make is that really as being an initiative that is, um, you know, that, that is in principle sort of tries to be multivocal in its representation and, and sort of engage with different publics uh, uh, and sectors. Um, these are really, um, uh, well, I, I suppose I'll link it more to to, to the the post TRC post Truth Commission uh, uh, kind of institutional identity that we were talking about before. But there's a way that you know in the domain of, of kind of victim survivors and um, notions of victimhood, there's a, a kind of critique um, that uh, uh, again is um, risks sort of mischaracterizing uh, or sort of oversimplifying you know the. the, the the TRC or the Truth Reconciliation Commission final report and, 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 and associated interventions. Um, but uh, a piece that nevertheless um, focuses um, on kind of the risks of, of a kind of victim centered narratives and, and ways that that can downplay, you know, the agency of, of individuals and communities and a lot of more emphasis on kind of the, uh, what, uh, scholars sort of call, calling Primo Levi, um, uh, referred to as, as gray zones, right. Of conflict of that. You can have, um, you know, complex histories, people who can be simultaneously, um, victims and, and perpetrators, um, the way that, that discourses of victimhood can, can in, in, in some cases, um, um, uh, be depoliticizing, mm-hmm. right. Or risk, um, presenting uh, a, a sort of homogenized view of, of uh, you know, uh, uh, of sort of who is a victim of this yes. conflict. And so, and then uh, thinking about uh, more on, uh, on um, uh, or with regard to, to armed state actors, uh, the military and so on, uh, kind of through that, that post-TICC, identity only becomes a, you um, uh, an emphasis or there there comes to be an emphasis on, uh, sort of military participation and not necessarily, uh, and I try to illustrate, it's not necessarily the, the, the very sort of hard line. Um, yeah, yeah. tend to be sort of older, you know, older, uh, 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 there are some general datational differences that, that, that are relevant there, Mm -hmm. but, but Loom comes to have contact with, um, you know, some sectors of the military that, uh, are maybe less closed off to, uh, dialogue with, um, with, you know, the, with people who might advocate for a more complex narrative and, and, um, and so you have, um, military historians, uh, sort of citing the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, final report. You have um, works that get, um, uh, that become very important and influential. I think of um, uh, Lugio Gabilan's um, uh, memoir, yeah. um
1: Me Memorias, uh,
0: de un soldado. Mm -hmm. Uh, translated as I think when veins became floods published uh, in English uh, relatively recently. And so you have narratives that, that, that try to get at that, that, that kind of complexity, Mm -hmm. right. Uh, uh, And you have uh, expressions of of military victimhood, right. And so the way that that category of victimhood has been, um, you know, where that for a period, you know, tended to be, Associated primarily with um, with um, vict- uh, sort of civilian victims of Shining mm-hmm. Path or the police or the rondas campesinas, you have um, you know military you have soldiers military uh, kind of uh, identifying uh, and families uh, family members of, of veterans you know identifying as as victims in ways that that uh in ways that were more visible than they were previously and so i just kind of analytically um in that chapter something that i draw attention to and i'll just maybe leave it here um for, for that chapter is the way that there is this kind of double standard almost that 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 emerges of you know both groups are kind of valued because they have this experiential authenticity uh of sorts and it's kind of you know linked to notions of trauma um uh, that that scholars have have written about and theorized and in in all kinds of ways uh you know in the context of memorialization and so there's this you know valorization of these groups but also a kind of skepticism that you know kind of the basic notion and this is a theme that you know recurs throughout the book it's just like you know there's the consultation with with different groups but you know the simultaneous kind of distancing or an acknowledgement that they can't you know it can't be a military museum it can't just be uh you know a, a, a museum um devoted to, to, victim survivors. And so there's kind of a subtle way that, uh, again, perhaps somewhat critically in that chapter, I described the way that, you know, military participation was kind of, you know, viewed as, as something that was, oh, great. You know, like they're participating in this human rights oriented museum that in and of itself is a sign of progress. And I, uh, I'm somewhat, um, you know, it was, was kind of somewhat troubled by that at mm-hmm. the time. Whereas, um, you know, in the case of victim survivors, um, and I have some, you know, interview narratives, but there's there's kind of this sense of like they're constantly being told, and they constantly yeah. like kind of have to act um, with the knowledge that like, you know, that that there are other experiences, mm-hmm. you know, that they can't just be about them mm-hmm. and, and and sort of this. Uh, and I think that there is this this sort of double standard, and it's very gendered. And I probably don't develop that uh, you know sufficiently in the chapter in the book. But you know the fact that you, you know you're dealing with a lot of uh, relatives of victims of this conflict, you know, come from um, rural peasant, the uh, you know uh, origins, uh, mm-hmm. Quechua speaking, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, communities, and so on. Um, uh, and and military you know sort of demographically and also just sort of discursively symbolic is, is very masculized so there's a way that uh, that you know yeah that that troubled me and so i think that that you know comes through mm-hmm. in in the chapter perhaps in a more yeah you know, hopefully in a more eloquent and sophisticated way <laughs> than i'm <laughs> putting it here, it's but. very
1: interesting i think a chapter and moving on to uh the next chapter is the fifth one, in which you survey the formal consultation of the initiative. And this is a very important step for the Loom initiative, one they that they mention quite prominently as well on in their, in their website when they talk about the history of the Loom. Now with a new director, if I might add, at this point, you survey the formal consultation of the initiative and how they share the exhibi- exhibition script with many groups. Uh, regions in Peru. And it was a very interesting way of Loom's attempt to manage different perspectives and memories, which is one of the things you mentioned recently how they perhaps distanced themselves and just attempted to manage and to show different perspectives. Perhaps you can tell us a bit more about the formal consultation period and how it affected Loom's perception in Peruvian society, but also how what it tells us about the Loom's perhaps position with managing different perspectives and narratives.
0: Yeah, of course. And so, yeah, I think that like bit by bit we're getting more to like the sort of the more the, the kind of conceptual <laughs> arguments and sort of because really a point that I try to stress throughout the book is uh, or, or uh, just drawing attention to the way that a lot of the the work of creating the loom became conceptualized as sort of this work of managing different memories and perspectives, you know, as opposed to what might be a more uh, sort of, um, uh, might be a, a more of a, a sort of articulation or, a, a, an assertion, um, of, a, of a kind of, um, um, historical narrative, you know, kind of using history or, mm-hmm. um, or sort of scholarship, or, or sort of a, a very firm political institutional position as as guide. So so yeah, um, uh, briefly on the the consultation initiative or the participatory process as it became known. Um, so yeah, this was an initiative that came about, a uh, really spearheaded by Denise Ledgard, who was national director, um, uh, who stepped in midway through um, 2013 and really kind of changed. The and uh, uh, really, you know, uh, push the project forward. And a person, uh, you know, if there's someone who is really uh, responsible for um, uh, for really pushing the loom forward at this time uh, 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 and into 2015, before she was, you know, uh, really unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. dismissed. Um, uh, This was one of the initiatives that really uh, played a critical role in in establishing, um, you know, the the Loom's identity as we know it today, in addition to its more immediate function of kind of getting feedback on a draft of the script. Um, And so, yeah, it involved involved a series of meetings with people in Lima and Ayacucho and and Satipo um, uh, there, uh, Satipo in Unin and a um, uh, and there it was focused on the experience of Ashaninka communities um, and so my uh, so in that chapter I really uh, I discussed some of the tension you know some of the specific debates about you know involving the presentation of you know the the truth and reconciliation uh, figures you know estimates and controversies about mm-hmm. that. Um, uh, you know, of you know, Fujimori era corruption and some of those concepts, but it really ends up focusing a lot on on that consultation process, which uh, was um, carried out by um, two people who were, were were you know colleagues of mine at the uh, at the time, really, uh, and people who I know more 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 in an academic capacity, Ponciano Del Pino and Jose Carlos Aguero, mm-hmm. um, and so they carried out this, this consultation initiative, sharing the script, uh, with different groups and receiving feedback. And so in addition to that geographic reach, there was, um, you know, consultation with different, you know, victims organizations, members of the media, um, uh, with the armed forces. And so, uh, the way I, uh, and that was a, a chapter where I, I knew that, you know, it was, Interesting and important to to be documenting that, and it wasn't until later where I I kind of thought through, you know, you know, what do I want to say about this um, process, and I think that there were some risks and or you know some things that I were uh, some potential issues I was sensitive to and in, in in the analysis mm-hmm. that I arrived at because I do you know, I draw a, a bit on kind of anthropological perspectives on bureaucracy and, and kind of the construction of bureaucratic mm-hmm. authority and i also you know it's it's maybe not so prominent but it's there but the way that uh, there are these kind of links and ties between the way that you know this consultation in, in the con- in the context of a museum project had some kind of like discursive and just kind of conceptual ties to um you know the types of processes that are carried out in the context of you know natural resource disputes in Peru and uh, and extractivism mm-hmm. and so that thread is kind of there as well, which which you know are oftentimes kind of very superficial, sort of check a box kind of thing with the idea that the project is going to move forward. Um, um, and so, uh, I, I ended up in that chapter focusing, um, a lot on just kind of like what, uh, the way that, that, that initiative was ultimately kind of, you know, sort of independent on the, of the contributions it made sort of tangible things like strange changes to elements of the script that was shared, uh, or moving forward, you know, the implementation of what ultimately was a new script. Uh, I, I I make the case that it was uh, very effective in terms of establishing the loom as as a institution that was able to sort of manage different perspectives in this sort of transparent and authoritative fashion, and so um, and so you know just looking at very subtle things like the way that in meetings you know a certain you know knowledge or, or insights gained from one group would be shared with another group. And um, and then, you know, kind of moving forward, like you said, you know, to this day, um, there is, uh, you know, the participatory process, this consultation initiative does play a prominent role in sort of the institutional histories that Uh, that um, are on, you know, the Loom webpage and and, you know, in scholarly Mm -hmm. publications. So I'm really not, uh, you know, the risk of the chapter is that I don't want to, you know, uh, be too cynical and say, oh, it's bad that they consulted people. It should have just been, you know, uh, Ponciano and you know Denise Ledgard and Jose Carlos Aguero just writing something and doing what they wanted or Miguel Rubio who was um, and, and Karen Bernedo, who were involved so that's really not the point that I'm trying to make but uh, I think that adding some complexity to um, uh, to the notion of, uh, uh, of kind of what that uh, process achieved um, um, in terms of kind of legitimation and institutional image uh is important and worthwhile and 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 i should also say you know as kind of you know an epilogue to that chapter and 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 alluded to briefly in chapter six there is also a way that that you know that that um um part of the history and and the participatory process and consultation with diverse groups uh you know, it does become important when the the, the loom is facing these, uh, th- these kind of odious attacks, right? Uh, so, you know, Diego Garcia Sayan, former head of the loom, um, can, you know, write editorials in major national mm-hmm. newspapers and cite, you know, <laughs> like, Hey, you know, military people who are calling us you know caviar leftists and terrorists or whatever like we consulted you on this and you know and you attention to um to certain decisions that were made you know taking into account military perspectives um and and you know the content we haven't really talked about the content and that's you know probably just as well because it's been a while <laughs> uh, since I able to visit the loom, but, um, but the, you know, you can point to, to instances like, uh, you know, the representation of the Shabin Dewantar rescue in 1997, um, as sort of instances where it's sort of, you know, so-called military heroism, uh, uh, is present in the loom, uh, or, um, or or sort of the military's role in society mm-hmm. um, is represented in a in a way that's um that is um rather rather nuanced so um yeah so i think that the participatory process it, it it's a classic case like for people who might be writing it, it's like sometimes you just uh, you know like in the, the dissertation version of that chapter it was really just kind of like writing out to uh, writing out, you know, basing stuff on my field notes and observations. And I really didn't have a, a, a good way of making sense of it. Mm-hmm. And so it really wasn't until years where I, you know, kind of uh, reading more, you know, both on Peru and, and, and sort of, you know, comparative uh, anthropological social science literature that I, I kind of felt that I had a sense of, of what I was going to say about it.
1: Yes. Now you finish with chapter six that concludes with, the inauguration, the final chapter, the reception, and the following controversies of the loom after it finally opens after a lot of delays. It's important that we can uh, locate this question on, on the present, on the present day. What do you think the loom's place is right now in contemporary Peru? What role does it play? How does it speak to 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 Peru, both from the time it was open till right now? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a very, I mean, that's a very good question. And it's almost like, you know, as a <laughs> as, you know, foreign researcher, you know, to think about it, sort of what it means for Peru. And I think that, you know, many Peruvians uh, would be able to speak more, um, you know, intelligently when it comes to that topic. But I, I think with the, um, I think some some points from, from that chapter that I like that I think are relevant um, in the present was, uh, I think a lot of, commentators were really expecting there to be the kind of vicious attacks and these defamation campaigns that we saw um, or or that were evident at the time of the Truth and Reconciliation Mm -hmm. Commission, um, you know, at the very inauguration and at that initial moment and really like to the surprise of, of, I think, a number of onlookers and people involved, there really wasn't that like, you know, the institution was up and running and um, and you know, putting on events and, uh, and, and without the kinds of um, uh, y- yeah, without the kinds of scandals that that one uh, one might have uh, potentially. I mean, obviously, if you if you were to go to you know social media, you could find all kinds of nasty things at the time of its inauguration in mm-hmm. and, and 2015 and into 2016. It really wasn't in, until you know subsequent scandals um, or, or, or you know scandals that that, that occurred um, uh, years afterwards. Uh, and uh, with um, first big moment where it's just like okay, this is coming to a head was a uh, a temporary exhibit um, that uh, resulted. In, you know, it was a, a conservative politician kind of taking to social media about mm-hmm. it and caused. Uh, the storm and and resulted in and in, in, you know and sort of the resignation dismissal of, director, of yeah. um, the director at the time uh guillermo nugent um and uh, and then um the following year i believe tw- again maybe getting years but 2018 um you had um the what was really the, um, uh, ended up being a, a much bigger scandal in in some ways, um, involving uh, <inaudible> Donaire a at the time, which was just like for a, a wild story. You know, he disguised himself mm. as a as a uh, Colombian war vet, uh, 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 sort of a victim of. Uh, war in Colombia and really just engaged in this like bad faith effort to try to get a uh, you know a person who wasn't even a guy just someone who like helped him and uh, volunteered to like take him around the museum and you know And really, you know, see, you know, in the video editing, like seized on a few comments that maybe could have been interpreted as like not being sufficiently, you know, anti shining path uh, and what have you. And so that, with that controversy, it really was a, a kind of explosion, uh, and and so what was interesting about that controversy for me as an onlooker, and I I don't really speak to these in much detail in the chapter. I wasn't really in Peru and, and wasn't really tracking things. But something that was uh, kind of interesting about that controversy that I allude to in the book is just like whatever kind of divisions and critiques there were of like people who are maybe upset at the loom for a variety of reasons, dating back to the Yanapak dispute or, 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 you know, people who might be from a more left progressives, uh, you know, have their critiques and have their issues with aspects of the permanent exhibit. Like really there, there was this sense of like, Oh, you know, now the loom is just sort of uh, grouped into the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, the you know the Ohookeyora monument that's been the site of attack. You know, it's sort of mm-hmm. despite the the museum's efforts to to sort of distance itself and be uh, well, not distance itself, but kind of remain, uh, uh, kind of maintain a safe distance exactly. from some of the what, what, you know, as a political baggage in, in the context of a controversy like like that. It all just sort of becomes a moot point, mm-hmm. right? And and then you know the most to do uh, and, and i would say the most responsible thing to do is just to, to sort of defend this as a space you know as a space dedicated to these themes which is um you know uh, not uh not a minor achievement in peru certainly mm-hmm. and so you had um the way that um yeah kind of individuals across kind of the human rights community intellectuals um activists. Um, you had this upsurge in support that, that came about of that and, and really record visitation that, that, that happened in the wake of that controversy that was interesting. And, and, and I guess, you know, thinking to the present, um, its place, I mean, I, I think that there is a way that the, the institution has become, you know, normalized in, in, a, in a very positive sense, like, and sort of has that institutional backing. But there's also that that, that kind of precarity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, we just experienced a very close, you know, very close second round presidential uh, election this year. Um, and Keiko Fujimori, um, you know, narrowly lost. She's narrowly lost. Well, I mean, she's I lost three time times. Narrowly you know, yeah. Two narrowly lost. Two were very narrow losses. And so all of that, you know, the, the possibility of a, of a Keiko presidency, the possibility, and before that, you know, the poss- there was you know, significant possibility that Alan Garcia would, 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 would potentially, um, uh, you know, emerge uh, again. And so uh, all of these were just like kind of constant concerns, uh, or I guess maybe not constant concerns, but certainly in Definitely. the back of people's minds. As they were thinking. And, and so it's the question of thinking about, um, you know, the loom currently, I mean, I just, uh, again, this is from afar and I, I can't really speak from, you know, it's not as if I'm in Lima right now or, but just, you know, looking on social media, just I'm consistently, uh, this is speaking less as an, you know, maybe as an academic or as an analyst, but more just as a, you know, uh, an individual concerned with these issues. But I, you know, I, I'm, Routinely, you know, impressed with you know, the loom's, um, you know, range of programs mm-hmm. and temporary exhibits and ways that, um, uh, you know, the loom has become a site where, where, um, you know. Uh, this history, this violent history and its legacy can, can become, you know, discussed and debated in the present and, 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 and sort of in reverse, you know, looking at kind of very contemporary issues. Uh, I think of, for instance, um, the, the the, the uprising uh, in um, November of of last year, right, Uh, in response Mm -hmm. to a congressional coup uh, and and sort of mobilizations and uh, police violence and the way the loom, you know, intervened um, uh, or or sort of had... Yeah, had an exhibit, yeah, yeah, about the protest. Yeah. The the Indian Bryan uh, memorial, um, and the kinds of memorialization dealing with very recent experiences of state violence. So I think that, that there is that, um, you know. Again, I, I, I'd be wary of if just sort of like an uncritical, "Oh, how great, you know, it is that it exists." You know, I think as scholars and as activists, we, you know, we should think critically about uh, all kinds of things. Um, but uh, I, I think having, you know, the loom as a space, uh, it, it opens up. Um, possibilities to have those conversations um and and there can be you know kind of the history of the project is really a history of kind of you know being aware of institutional limits and, and but also kind of playing with them and questioning them and so i think that some some of what um uh, you know, I hopefully try to achieve in the book is, is, is like in a very, you know, in a very humanistic sense, Is just like, okay, well, you know, if you were in the position of Fernando Carvalho or, you know, or the participatory process team or Denise Ledgard, like, you know, w- what would you do? How would you address these things kind of knowing what you mm-hmm. know about, uh, uh, about sort of the political reality in Peru um, and, 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 and and perhaps of, of, you know, specific ministries and institutions and all of that. And so, um, and so I think that, um, you know, the current um, director of the Lun Manuel Burga, I just, uh, you know, I, I think I just, <laughs> uh, again, it's, uh, I can't really speak to, to the present, but just been um, really, you um, uh, uh, like I said, consistently, um, pleased and, 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 and heartened, uh, by, by some of the you know range of whether it's films and, and, and talks and, you know, initiatives involving students like, you know, essay competitions, um, and, and, you know, addressing issues that, that, um, relate to, you know, human rights in one way or other, but also, um, uh, but sort of expanding beyond you know simply the focus of what happened in Peru between 1980 and 2000 and you know incorporating discussion of you know lgbtq issues or you know issues of of mm-hmm. kind of cultural difference in the, the countries uh, broadly broadly construed so i um, i think the yeah the place uh, the place of the loom in peru uh, in sort of contemporary peru it's um you know, again, I, I think that uh, there's sort of this combination of critique and, uh, uh, and admiration that I think a, a lot of people have, um, um, or I, I guess maybe. Uh, 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 a critical admiration to combine those two terms, uh, and I think that there's also just an awareness of, uh, in some ways, uh, I think in the back of people's minds, of um, you know the precarity of an institution that um, addresses these themes. Uh, given that there is uh, there there is and can be uh, you know really quite vocal opposition um, among you know Fujifori's, mm-hmm supporters among um, uh, really wide sectors of, of uh, again, not, not, not I, I wouldn't say the majority, but, but, but certainly um, a very vocal minority um, within Peru. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's... Uh,
1: I think that was, that was a great answer. That was very useful as well. Perhaps you can tell us anything else you might want to add about the book before we wrap up the interview. Perhaps something we haven't touched upon and you think is important we, we mention
0: much about like sort of my, I guess some of the the arguments and so on came through, but I, oh, well, here's one thing I'd like to say about the book. Um, uh, well, I, so yeah, I, I think I'd like just uh, something that maybe didn't, uh, or I'll start here. We'll, we'll, this will be the the start. <laughs> of the end. I, um, I think one thing I'd like to say about the book is that I really tried to write it, in, and this probably hasn't come through in this interview as much, but I really tried to write it in a, in a narrative style that's relatively accessible. Um, and so there are, um, you know, it is an academic book. It's published by, you know, an, an academic press, but I, my hope is that, you know, the use of jargon and so on is, is relatively limited. And something that I really tried to do was um, work with, uh, and, and again, this is true. In some chapters more than others, but I really tried to, to develop kind of characters and, and profiles, and, and sort of use some of those um, techniques as a writer. Um, and a lot of that is just kind of rooted in um, in a kind of s- skepticism for um, for some of the the ways that as social scientists we we maybe kind of abstract and, and say you know make all kinds of generalizations mm-hmm. about people in the human rights community or uh, people uh, so, so, or you know the military and so on and so i think that that sometimes it's through the accounts of 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 you know of like particular institutions groups of people communities who kind of like more or less know each other and kind of have some connection to one another that um you can kind of get a sense of 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 what's going on and why it matters in the context of of something like a a, a museum project and then I, i guess a second point that i'd like to make is that yeah this is um uh you know obviously a academic book written in English. Um, but I, I am hopeful that, you know, that, that, uh, yeah, I've been able to move forward with a, a translator, uh, this year. And so hopefully, again, I can't get, go into details cause I don't want to, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't want to like, um, uh, say something that ends up not being the case, but, but we're definitely, uh, very advanced with the translation. And so my hope is that, um, is that this book can be published in Peru, uh, you know, Spanish version relatively soon? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's the sort of book where uh, you know, I, I, again, I have no idea. It's very hard for me to tell how much interest there might be in Peru, but uh, but it's the sort of thing like when I'm at the US, in the U S and speaking with like you know non academic friends or you know, family members or things like that, when I describe what I do, it sounds like kind of this very niche esoteric, <laughs> like, you know, I'm studying a moral Museum in Peru or whatever. Uh, but I think uh, my hope is that, uh, you know, some Peruvians beyond just, uh, you know, beyond uh, academics and, and people very closely tied to these themes might have interest. In, in reading it. And I definitely tried to write the book and think about this project with, with that in mm-hmm. mind, so...
1: Yeah, I think that's great, and hopefully we can have that uh, Spanish version with us soon. Uh, fingers crossed for that. Yeah. To finish, perhaps Joe, any you might want to tell us about any new projects you're working on right now. Bes-
0: yeah. Um, oh, no, I was sorry. Say besides you...
1: the translation. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So the translation is a thing, and, and yeah, that's coming along. Um, um, and so yeah, I think like as far as project, like 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 so many of us, uh, one of my main projects has just been trying to get through. Uh, it's you know stay relatively sane during the pandemic, and you know and be a decent teacher and uh, colleague and all these things. Um, uh, but in terms of research, uh, I am developing a, a second project that that does uh, well. I should say that I remain really interested in, in the issue of memorialization. And, and I think as, you know, as we move on um, in our academic careers, like, I think, that, you know, tendency is maybe for us to get a little bit more comparative, a little bit more interdisciplinary. And so I think, uh, you know, I can see myself continuing to, to, to work on, you know, memorialization in Latin America and, uh, and sort of, writing you know stuff from the dissertation work that didn't necessarily make it into the book and uh, and that sort of thing but I, I am developing a, a, a second project that um, again is in is more in the design stage but it relates to, to the book in, in some ways because it focuses uh, much more squarely on, on, on sort of political culture, um, populist rhetoric and sort of categories, name calling that um, mm-hmm. you can find uh, in contemporary Peru. And so, um, you know, whether it's practice now commonly known as, you know, or sort of terrorist, mm-hmm. you know, terrorist baiting uh, or, or, you know, I've mentioned, you know, caviar left, uh, uh, and so kind of thinking through kind of c- categories and, and, and this sort of rhetoric um, uh, and, and its implications. So that's uh, that's what I'm uh, sort of doing as a, client. I've been able, to, was fortunately able to do uh, some work, um, you know, kind of lay the groundwork while while I was in Chile with, um, you know, and I was really working with some undergraduate students that helped me start to think through that, that issue. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of related to the loom, you know, all of that is very present, but, but, uh, in the book, um, if not explicitly, um, and, and I think just some of these, um, you know, this general phenomenon of, of kind of, um, uh, of, of, you know, political speech that can be quite violent and have, uh, have uh, have all kinds of you know implications for the people that use it and and the people who uh, it's directed toward um, uh, it's a, 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 in the context of you know of recent developments in Peru and thinking perhaps most um, uh, immediately of the you know the recent election of Pedro Castillo it's mm-hmm. it, it a kind of new timeliness in in so much of yeah, uh, w- with that subject in general. So I, um, I'm i hopeful that, you know, I'd, I'd really like to uh, be able to, to, if I can, uh, go to Peru and do a, a bit of uh, research, sort of some preliminary research on this topic. Mm-hmm. Next year, you know, if conditions permit that. Um, and I think the good thing about being, uh, you know, be, be, being a social scientist and uh maybe you know cultural anthropology more than other social sciences is that you know uh, kind of having that openness of allowing something to be a point of departure and then and then it maybe takes you off in new and interesting Mm directions so i think that uh, yeah like that set of issues combined with just the pedro castillo phenomenon in general something that um you know that that um Again, as scholars, we're not supposed to ever admit that we were you know, surprised by anything, but, <laughs> but it w- was certainly a kind of event in Peru that that uh, that um, is is sort of still playing out in ways that that I think are quite fascinating. So, uh,
1: yes, definitely, I think that's that sounds very exciting, and and we're looking forward to to more publications from you. Thank you, Joe, for joining us here on the New Books Network in Latin American Studies to talk about. Your recent published book, "Memories Before the State: Postwar Peru and the Place of Memory, Tolerance, and Social Inclusion."
0: Great, thank you very much, Kenneth. I really appreciate the invitation, and um, and thank you, thank you all for listening. And, and don't hesitate to be in touch.
1: Yeah, that's all from us here. Have a good day.